Greetings, Crosspoint Church, on this beautiful spring weekend. And it does feel like spring. It seems like finally the uh, temperature is coming back. I'm re reminded of a poem I learned many years ago. Spring is sprung, the grass is riz, I wonder where the birds is. I love this season of the year. We're a privileged people today to have uh, Pastor Brent Ingersoll with us. Many of you would know this, uh, Crosspoint is uh, Brent's home church. He grew up right here. His dad and mom are still part of this church family. And uh, Brent's mom, Karen, was one of our babysitters when our oldest two were just small. Then I was Brent's uh, professor at Bethany Bible College, now Kingswood University, down in Sussex, and then I joined his staff as sort of his personal assistant when he was in his first months as pastor of King's Church. That was in 2013, and then I was away in the south shore of Nova Scotia for two or three years and came back and joined his staff again for another year, 2016-2017. I believe Pastor Brent is a young man greatly used by God in these days. King's Church, the central campus in Quispamsis and the various places that they're moving and impacting across the maritime provinces. I believe he's a great young preacher. And I believe all cross pointers that are in pastoral ministry out there ought to come home and, and and preach in their home church. So I'm delighted to introduce to you Pastor Brent, who's home to preach to us today. Before he comes to preach, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for your hand uh, being upon the church the way it is during these days. Father, these are unique days a surprise to many of us, but not to you. And yet, Father, I believe you're doing a significant thing, a significant work in the church and in our culture in these days. I pray for the many who are kind of checking out the church online in these days. And uh, Father, hearing the gospel and considering the claims of Jesus Christ. I believe you're doing a significant thing inside the church today. Even though we're not able to have physical gatherings during these days, I believe you're doing a work in your people. So I pray for your church today. I pray for Crosspoint Church. I pray for all of those especially who are struggling during these COVID-19 days and feeling uh, the weight of these restrictions most deeply. Father, I pray for all. And as Pastor Brent comes and preaches us today, to us today, the good news, I pray that it would strike a chord of response in the hearts of people at Crosspoint Church and people listening a lot, uh, online. And uh, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us all now I pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. 
Well, welcome everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm so glad you have joined us here at King's Church. I want to welcome our extended King's Church family, not just in our regular locations, at West St. John, Quispamsis, New Brunswick, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, and in Charlottetown, PEI. But we're so aware of the growing number of you who are tuning in and joining in to our King's Church family uh, all over the place, all around the world even. We had people last week in Calgary and in Ontario and in Quebec and in Vancouver, British Columbia. We have people in the United States, people tuning in from France and Ireland, people in parts of Africa, even in China, people from Graham and Nan, people from all in every part of the world. We are so glad that you are tuning in and just jumping in on this journey. We hope that we become family. And so jump in and get connected. And I want to welcome today one one very special group of people who are tuning in. I want to say hello to Cross Point Church in Fredericton, my home church, my home church family where I grew up. They're jumping in today. This message is coming on their live stream as well. And I could not be more honored and thrilled to be able to bring this word to you today. Uh, back a couple months ago before the pandemic began, Pastor John, your pastor, actually our pastor that we're loaning you, and we're happy to loan him until his work's done there, but he will be coming back. But he came to me and asked if I'd come preach, and unfortunately I can't be there in person, but today we're gathered as one large church family, King's Church and Cross Point, and people from all over the place to jump into this word. And so I welcome you, Cross Point, today. So glad you've joined us. Well, we are in a series we're calling Good News. And what we've been doing over the past several weeks is very simply unpacking the story, the announcement, the, the gospel message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we've been establishing just some, some real clarity surrounding this often cited but often misconstrued and confused message of King Jesus. And we began the first week by establishing something crucial. And I want to just reiterate it before we get in any further today. And that is this, that the good news is good news. And that the gospel we have to understand is an announcement, not advice. A lot of the time we think of the gospel as this thing that we should do or this way that we should live. And of course, it, it speaks to those things. But the gospel in and of itself is the announcement that God is reclaiming and reshaping and regaining and restoring this whole earth through the King, His Son, Jesus Christ. And so it's about living under the reality of this announcement. And when we, by faith, believe that that announcement is true, it begins to change everything about us and for us and through us. That's the key thing we need to understand. And we set that week one. And now these last few weeks, we've been going just bit by bit through all the different things that make the gospel good. It makes it good news. And the first week we looked at the fact that it, the good news begins with God. And that this is so good because life, God, truth, salvation, peace, hope, it all came to us in the person of Jesus. We, we realize that the gospel isn't something that we did. It's something that Jesus has done and God moved on our behalf. And then we look the second week at that Jesus isn't just some good teacher or some guru, but in fact, he's the ruler of heaven and earth. That all authority, the Bible says, and he said has been given to him. And so we talked about how it's good news that Jesus rules. And then last week, we talked about how it's good news that Jesus taught us and showed us and didn't just demonstrate, but became the way that we should follow and build our lives on. And this week I want to get to the centrality of the message of the gospel. I want to get right down to the heart of it. I want to explore today 
the message, the good news about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus was handed over to the Roman authorities at the request of the Jews, and he was literally nailed to a Roman cross, an execution tool, a piece of wood where he was asphyxiated, bled, and died. And somehow in that cross, in that death, everything changed, and it's good news. So today we're going to talk about the cross in our series. Now, my preaching teacher, Pastor John Simons, told me, if you're preaching and you don't get to the cross, you're not preaching. So today, it's all about the cross, and we're going to dive in as we continue this series. Now, we decided to do this series because we believe that this is a seriously uh, different time in human history. This is a time unlike any other where we are being bombarded with bad news, aren't we? I mean, it's, it's just insane, the volume of difficult, challenging, frustrating, backsetting news that we face on the daily. I would dare to endeavor to say that whether or not you are a boomer, you're a Generation Z, you're part of the greatest generation, any one of those in between, I would dare to say that none of us have experienced this volume of bad news ever before in our lives. It is an unprecedented time where there is a nonstop, relentless onslaught of crisis coming at us right now, especially in this COVID pandemic that we are still going through. And I want to speak to that today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts uh, called Freakonomics. Freakonomics. <laughs> yeah, it's by a guy named Stephen Dubner. And, and it's a great thing. Check it out. He wrote the book Freakonomics. Real interesting, great journalist and great, great pieces he does. But he's talking about this reality of the bad news and how we deal with it. And he made two interesting points. In his podcast, he said that one of the interesting things about this, this bad news reality that we all have to live with and deal with and figure out answers for is that all of us as human beings are actually biologically, physically predisposed to focus and fixate on bad news. Now, he said that it's because of life experience and even, he argued, evolutionary biology that we have been taught that it's much more important for our survival to focus on threatening crisis-type news than it is to focus on the good news. And so he said it's actually like inside of us that we're so fixated upon it and it becomes so debilitating because we can't help but focus on the bad news. Now, some of you might think, well, I don't know about evolutionary biology, but you know this to be true. You could go through this day and a hundred people could compliment you and one person could say something bad to you. Tonight when you lay your head down, what do you remember? Not the hundred compliments. You're going to remember what? The one insult. Why? Because we are predisposed to focusing and fixating on the negative, on the bad news. So he made this point and then he said this. It's extra intense right now because we now live in a time in human history where the major power players in our world are capitalizing on the fact that we can't help but focus on bad news. He talked about the media and the journalism industry and how they absolutely are capitalizing on an economy of attention and how they are completely selling headlines that if they can get you to pay attention and click, they have won and they're making money. And so journalism is all about the most shocking, intense news stories they can possibly find. And then he talks about how we also live in a time where the dialogue is being shaped by major, uh, you know, not just governments who are trying to guide the dialogue like we hear in Canada. Even last week, we're hearing about the government talking about 
telling us what we can talk about and what we can't talk about and what is, is right dialogue and what's not. I mean, these are interesting times. And then you have places like Twitter and Facebook who are shaping the conversation a certain way. And then you drop it in this blender called social media where the loudest, most uh, obnoxious voices seem to rise to the top. We now live in the most aggressive bad news vortex in human history. These are unbelievably unprecedented times. And I think you know this to be true. To say that it's a struggle to figure out how to navigate through this stuff would be an understatement. Because if you, if you turn it on, and you, you give yourself to it, you go on TV, you go on the website and you listen and you watch, you just get overwhelmed by it. I don't know if any of us were made to, to be able to bear the weight of all the bad news of planet Earth all in one day. So if you turn it off though, that's not a solution because then you're ignorant, you know, don't know what's happening. So many of us, billions of us right now are realizing that we lack the mechanics and the mechanisms to deal with reality in the world. It's interesting as I've been watching this season play out, you're seeing a few things try to rise up to, to, to deal with some of the problems of dealing with all this bad news. I've seen, uh, many of you might have seen John Krasinski, Jim from The Office. He put together this really great show on YouTube called Some Good News, where he's trying to just confront all the bad news with some really inspiring and heartwarming stories. And it's great. I, go check it out. It's really heartwarming. But here's the deal. Some good news is not enough to, to deal with the onslaught of all the bad news. It's simply a drop in the bucket of this vortex of bad news, this crisis economy that we live in. And so it's been interesting to watch people figure out how to deal with it. Some people resort to humor, making memes and having fun with it. If, you, if you're not going to, you got to laugh or cry is kind of the decision some of us have to make. But it's also been interesting to see, and I don't know if you've seen this, maybe mention it in the comments. There is a rise of conspiracy theory right now. I have seen so many truthers out there all of a sudden, like people of every age and background all of a sudden becoming conspiracy theorists, sharing pandemic documentary and showing us how the government really are behind this and there's this sinister force and this is a bioweapon that was developed in a lab and there's all these crazy theories going around, which I honestly don't know if they're true or not. My point about bringing this up is, what does it say about the human heart and the human condition that we are all over conspiracy theory right now? I want to suggest to you that it's a way that we have been trying to deal with the onslaught of bad news. The reason we are drawn to conspiracy theory is because deep down, all of us are more comforted by the idea that there's some dark, sinister, controlling force behind it all, manipulating things to these ends. We'd rather believe that than the fact that we live in a world where chaos and crap happens and no one's paying attention. We find it more comforting. This is the reality that we are living in. We are waking up to the fact that we are wholly ill-equipped to deal with it. You can have all the conspiracies, conspiracy theories in the world. It doesn't change the facts. The bad news is, the bad news is. And what do we do with that? That is the backdrop I want to paint as we look at the best news that's ever been told, the good news that Jesus died. 
The gospel is the good news that supplants all the bad news. It is the news of a divine conspiracy, a real conspiracy, hatched and unfolded since the creation of time that came as a controlling force to usurp all the chaos and powers and authorities of this world to bring order into the chaos. The gospel is the good news that is so good that it overflows and overwhelms the bucket of our bad news. The gospel is the moment where God himself himself dealt with the human condition of sin and suffering. And I want to talk about the fact that it's good news that Jesus died. That's the title of my message today, Good News, Jesus Died. Now, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, I stated to you that this is one of the best places in all the Bible for a succinct summary of what the gospel is all about. And so Paul is trying to correct gospel, inerrant, gospel errors in the Corinthian church. And we're going to jump on and look at what he says today, specifically about the heart of the gospel being the death and resurrection. And we're going to focus on the death today of Jesus Christ. Let's look at what he says, and then let's start unpacking as to why this is good news. I want you to be able to answer why Jesus dying is good news. And if I can just state the elephant in the room, I think there are a lot of us who are believers that we really don't know why it's actually good news that Jesus died. We, we know it's, it's, it's something that we say, it's something that we believe he died for our sins, but we don't know why that's good news. And I hope to help with three simple ideas as to why it's good news that Jesus died today. Well, now let's jump in, let's read it, and then let's try to unpack some of it as to why it's good news. Paul said, here it is, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. There it is. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the only verse I really want you to see today. Verse three. He finishes it off and says that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Let's focus in on verse three today. The gospel being good news, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, why is that good news? Because this answers the biggest baddest, hardest, harshest question that all of us as human beings wrestle with in our lives. The biggest question of life. It answers the question, does God care? The death of Jesus on the cross, Jesus dying on a Roman cross, as we examine it, it is the overwhelming declaration that there is a God and he cares deeply about the suffering, sin, and sorrow of the human existence. This is what the gospel says. Now, some of you are like, why is that a big deal? Think about it for a minute. The greatest question facing human beings is not, is there a God? It's not, what am I here for? Those are secondary questions, actually. In fact, most people believe they're here for a purpose. They were made by a creator. In fact, less than 2% of the whole world's population are atheists. The vast majority of human beings believe there is a God. You were created. You were designed and destined. Most people believe that. Most people look at the world. And they look at creation. And they say, obviously, this is not happenstance. There's something more. That's not where the struggle begins. The struggle a lot of us have isn't, is there a God? That's not the big question. The big question is, what is God like? The big question is, does God care? The big question is, is he good? Because honestly, if, if there is no God, I can make some sense of that. 
That makes sense why bad things happen. That makes sense why bad things happen to good people. That makes sense why there seems like there's no justice. Why does bad things happen to this person and not that person? It makes sense if there is no God. The trouble starts when we start to reconcile the fact that we believe there is a God, but we also know there's all this suffering in the world. What do we do with that? That's the big question. How do I reconcile this messed up world with the fact that I believe there is a good God? A good and all-powerful God. A few weeks ago, we were doing my Sunday night podcast, uh, doing live Q&A, and some of you were tuned in. In fact, this weekend, this Sunday night, I'm going to be doing a, a live podcast with Q&A with uh, Mike Miller from Nova Scotia and a couple of my regulars from here at King's Church. And we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, so tune in Sunday night. It's going to be awesome. But a couple weeks ago, we were talking uh, about a bunch of things, and one person just messaged in and asking about, we we're talking about suffering, and they asked this question, basically just said, where is your God now? Where's your God now? AKA, look at all that's happening in the world. Look what's happening to the church. You can't even meet in, in person. Everything's different. You're all, we're all dealing with this. Where is your God now? AKA, if your God really was there and your God really was good, then why is this happening? And my answer had to do with the gospel. It had to do with the fact that Jesus came, Jesus lived, and Jesus died, and he rose. And specifically, when it comes to the question of suffering, this matters immensely that Jesus died because it tells me something about where my God is. My God is with us, and he's not just with us, but he is in suffering with us. He actually is the God who goes through it. That's the great answer. Where is your God now? Why all this suffering? When I look at the cross, I look back and I see a God who took suffering upon himself. That's the heart of the gospel. The gospel is the ultimate, the good news is the ultimate declaration and demonstration of the love, compassion, care, and concern of God for all people. It is the moment when he took the problem of evil on himself. That is at the heart of the gospel. The good news is that God took it upon himself. It's that Jesus's death is the moment that God took the full brunt of human suffering upon himself. It's the moment that he took that question, where is your God now? Why is there suffering? It's the moment that he took that gun that we point at him. All of us have, why God? What are you gonna do about this? It's the moment where he took the gun and he unloaded it upon himself. That is the gospel. That is why it's unbelievable news. The gospel answers part in part, why do bad things happen to good people? At least helps us see the heart of God first and foremost, because think about this. Jesus dying on the cross. The gospel, Jesus dying, is the time, the place where the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. So God didn't exempt himself. He didn't wash his hands of this. He didn't turn a blind eye or turn his back on the earth or on human suffering. What did he do? He came right into it and he took the worst possible thing and he being the best possible person. So first and foremost, the gospel tells us that Jesus came and he took on our plight on himself. This is at the heart of where the good news of the gospel begins. We don't serve a God who's unaware. We don't serve a God who doesn't know about suffering. In fact, he took it upon himself. Look what the Bible says about this. Here's just a couple quick verses. The Bible tells us that God isn't just acquainted with pain, but he went through it. 
We don't just serve a God who knows about pain, but a God who went through every single bit of it on our behalf, with us and for us. Look at how Isaiah says it. Incredible passage. It says that Jesus was despised and rejected. Ever felt despised and rejected? He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was like one from whom men would hide their faces, meaning he wasn't attractive, physically speaking. You ever felt ugly? He was desired, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took on our affirmities and carried our sorrows. Hebrews 4.14, look at this. says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. So he left heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, every single way, has been tempted or tried as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We serve a great high priest. He knows, he cares. The gospel, watch this, the gospel is the good news. It's good news because of this, because the death of Jesus, it tells us something loud and clear. That God knows what we're going through. He knows what it feels like. And he cares so much that he came to be with us in it. What does real love do? You ever think about like the greatest examples of love? I was thinking about it like this. The greatest examples of love call us to be with a person in their greatest time of need. I think about the person on their deathbed. Those are the times the people that love them the most gather around. Think about the, the, the criminal on death row. Do you know who visits the criminal on death row? Their mom. Why? Because that love is unconditional. They're there because they love them. They're right in the midst of the dysfunction and the despair and the fact that they're about to die. That's what love does. Love draws near, doesn't it? And that's what Jesus did. He drew so near, not just to be with us, but to go through it with us, to take on our shame, to take on our pain, our humiliation, all the things that weigh us down. He went through that for us. Isn't that incredible? So the gospel tells us that he cares because he came to our pain. He actually turned our direction and came towards us. It tells us that he knows because he went through it. How incredible is it for us to know that when we are hurting, Jesus knows what it is to hurt. When I'm, when I'm feeling abandoned, Jesus was abandoned. When I feel like I'm surrounded on all sides, being crushed and pressed, Jesus felt that way in the Garden of Gethsemane. When I've been abused, when I've been betrayed, backstabbed, humiliated, robbed, when, I've, when all kinds of atrocities have happened to me, he knows what it feels like. He's been through it. He knows. The good news of Jesus' death begins because it tells us that there is a God and that he isn't removed from our plight and he isn't removed from our sorrow. He's right there in it. Let's keep going. Paul tells us, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Let's just think about that for a minute. So the gospel, we, we first and foremost, it, it's, it's encouraging to us that Jesus died because he identifies with us in suffering. But then let's go further. Christ died, what's that word say? For. 
there's a reason that Christ died. Why? For our sins. Jesus didn't just come to die to show his great love, to demonstrate his great love. He came to die to actually do something about our problem. It's not just that the gospel tells us how much God loved us, that he would die on our behalf or even die with us in sin. He actually did something about our sin. This is where the good news gets gooder. It gets even better. Jesus died. Now think about who this is. The good news is that Jesus died, that he actually made a way for us. Think about who died. Who is Jesus? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's not just a good man, not just a great teacher. Who is he? He's God in the flesh. He is eternal, holy, perfect, matchless, all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lamb of God. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He is the great I am. That's who Jesus is. So the person that died is not just anyone. God died. That's incredible. Why? For our sins. Wow. God died for our sins. It wasn't just a demonstration. It was him making a way for salvation for all who believe. All of us. He came to save us. He came to redeem us, to ransom us, to reconcile us. His death was for the purpose of our eternal and complete salvation. His death was for the purpose of our life. His judgment was the, for the purpose of our acquittal. His shame was for the purpose of our glory. His bondage was for the purpose of our freedom. His end was for the purpose of our beginning. His execution was for the purpose of our exoneration. He came for our salvation. Get that in your head and your heart. That's why it's good news. It's not just that God loves us, but in his love, he did something about the situation that we are in, the situation of sin and death. The death of Jesus was the only way to deal with human sin done by the only one who could deal with it. The death of Jesus was the only way, the only solution to deal with the problem of sin and death dealt with by the only one who had the power, authority, and position to deal with it. You think about Jesus. Why, why Jesus and why death? Well, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So how do you deal with death? It's through death that sin leads to death. But why Jesus? Why was Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die in our place? Well, first and foremost, he was human. He was fully human, which, which made, that made him to be a human substitute. Also, the Bible tells us that he's fully God, that he not only fully triumphed over sin, lived the perfect human life, but he was fully God, meaning that he was fully holy, fully eternal, fully transcendent. That's who he is, meaning Jesus was the convergence of humanity and divinity, making him the one and only true sacrifice, the true person to stand in that place that could bring us deliverance. Only Jesus. The good news is that Jesus, God, died and that by his death, we are ransomed, redeemed, reconciled, and restored. Look at a few of these verses. The Bible tells us the death of Jesus has ransomed us. What does that mean? It means that he paid our debt. What debt? The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We all know that. 
And, and if you don't know that, you're, you're, you're guilty of the sin of pride and lying to yourself. So there you go. Now you're in too. The Bible says that Romans, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And here's the gospel. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He comes and he dies our death and gives us his eternality. Isn't that amazing? First Timothy, this is a trustworthy saying. Someone needs to hear this today. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I know that's not a popular term these days. Sinner, here's the deal. The Bible unequivocally says you are a sinner. I am a sinner. Every human being, a sinner. And it is for sinners that Jesus came and died. Don't get it twisted. Don't downplay it. The sin that we have caused against God is heinous. It is eternal. It is forever. It is brutal. And that's why God, in through Jesus, had to die for our salvation. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 20. He said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. We have been ransomed. We have been reconciled. He gave us his place. Jesus on the cross brought us back to unity, to union, to commonality, to common ground to God. He reconciled us. He bridged the gap of our mortality with his immortality, of his holiness with how we are, we've fallen short of his holiness, infinitely short. Jesus reconciled us. He brought us to right standing with God. Second Corinthians says, God made him who had no sin or knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is good news. Romans 3.23 tells us that Jesus became the propitiation for us. What's that? The great exchange, the atoning sacrifice. God through Jesus has reconciled us to himself. Jesus gave us his place. So that, get this, what does it mean? It means that when you put your faith in Jesus, you move from stranger to son, from slave to son. When God sees you, if you belong to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you are seen as his son in whom he is well pleased. That's some good news. Let that register. Let the person who's dealing with condemnation today hear that. If you are in Christ, God sees you not by your past, not by your shortcomings, not by your present struggles. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's amazing. The Bible says that Jesus' death has restored us. It's given us his life. It's placed us in new life. 2 Corinthians 5, think about this. The death, that execution of Jesus has launched us into new life. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how? Through faith. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up. Say it. Say it online. For me. You have been restored, redeemed, reconciled. The gospel of Jesus. It's good news. Why is it good news that Jesus died? It's good news because the death of Jesus announces that we have been ransomed, reconciled, restored. It actually accomplished something. 
It accomplished the forgiveness of your sins. It accomplished the er erasing of the debt that you owe God and I owe God. It has accomplished that on our behalf. That is good news. All of the goodness of God has been poured out in Jesus' blood and that blood has overwhelmed and superseded all of the bad news of our own lives and the things that happen around us. That's the good news. The grace of God is drowning our sorrows. Have you received, have you received the free gift of God's grace? One more thought and then we'll be done. So Paul says this, he says, What I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ, God in flesh, died for our sins. Now watch this. I used to just read over this, but this is so beautiful. He died for our sins. Why or what? According to the scriptures, according to the Bible, according to the word of God. He died according to the scriptures. Now, why does that matter that he died according to the scriptures? What does that tell us about God, about Jesus, and about the gospel? I used to think about sin in the Bible. I used to think about sin, like Jesus dying on the cross. A lot of the time I used to think about it as like when Adam and Eve sinned, it was this, uh-oh, God's springing into action. What am I going to do? I got to figure something out now as if God didn't see that coming. But the Bible actually says about the gospel that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. That Jesus' death was not some plan B to help us get out of a sticky situation. The death of Jesus was plan A from the very beginning. It was the way that God was not only going to reconcile people into right standing with him, but the way that God was going to capture our allegiance and our hearts like never before. That's what the gospel accomplishes. You think about the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture, God created man, and God created the heavens and the earth, and man and him are in right standing. They're not separated. They're together in the Garden of Eden. There's nothing between them. And yet we find sin comes and separates us from God. That man, tempted through deception, disobey God and brings severance and separation between us and God. Think about this. And so we find through Genesis 3 all the way to Genesis 12, we see the destructiveness of sin, patterns and things that happen still to this day. You ask the question, why do bad people, why do bad things happen to good people? Sin. That's the answer. The Bible says sin. It's because we live in a fallen world. And so the story goes that sin happens, destruction, decay, and death enter the story. But God's plan is unfolding. God raises up a promise in a people. He, he calls this man named Abraham and he covenants with him. He makes a promise to him and he says, I am going to reconcile and restore all things to myself. I am going to redeem and recreate all things. And I'm going to do it through a promise I give to a chosen people. And he calls Abraham, this man, to be the father of that promise. And with Abraham, he promises him and he makes a covenant. Now, something we don't think about a lot is covenant in our culture. Most of our cultures, that's not something we do other than marriage is a covenant. But in Jesus, in the Bible, the covenant, it was, it was an inseparable bond. And to, to covenant with someone, you actually, ha something had to die. It was a bond built on death 
That's how serious it was. And that in that death, it was, there was a separation of something. Something had to be cut and severed so that the covenant could be brought together. And so we see in, in the story of Abraham, God covenants with Abraham, makes the blessing, this promise of blessing from generation to generation. And then the story begins to unfold through the Old Testament coming up to Jesus. The promise of Abraham was foreshadowing to the fulfillment in Jesus. Stay with me, this gets really rich. Then we find Jesus come. And what do we find? The night he's betrayed, he's in the upper room. He's having communion with his best friends. And he takes the bread and he takes the cup. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. That I have come to fulfill the promise of God on the earth. And that this is a brand new covenant that will never be broken. And then we find what? Jesus is handed over to the authorities. He's whipped, beaten, and humiliated for our shame. Correct? And then he goes to the cross. And the Bible says that while he's on the cross, check this out. It says, when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So he died. So picture him on the cross. He cries out in a loud voice. The other gospel says he cried out, it is finished. What, what's finished? The fulfillment of the old covenant and the launching of the new. And watch this. It says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple, the curtain of the temple was the barrier between us and God. It says the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. Now get that for a second. Think about covenant. Jesus dying and bleeding. Something had to die for there to be a covenant. And the curtain severed. There was the separation that brought reconnection. This was the beginning and the end. This was the moment the old covenant died through the blood of Jesus. And through the blood of Jesus, we have been covenanted in. Now, now why am I telling you this? Why does this matter? Because the gospel is the proof that God keeps his word. The gospel is about covenant. It's about a God who kept his word even when we didn't, even when we walked away, even when we backslid and backstabbed him, even when we lied to him and ourselves and everyone else, even when we didn't deserve it, this God keeps his word and nothing will ever stop it. And nothing will ever stop him from keeping his word. The death of Jesus, it's good news because it tells us that he's unfailing that his promises will never fail, that his goodness will never fail, that his covenant cannot be broken. It's been poured out and bound in his blood. God has covenanted with us in Christ Jesus, and that is an inseparable bond. So that here's the good news. When you put your faith in Jesus, you have been established in an everlasting covenant. It can never be broken, no matter what you do. It's greater than your sin. It's greater than your fears. You can't outrun it. You can't outsin it. You can't outdo it. You cannot break it. This covenant cannot be broken by human hands and human activity. It is something that God has established in his own blood through Jesus. That is good news. It's good news because the death of Jesus announces that God cannot fail even when we fail him. That's some good news. Paul says it like this. 
This is why it changes everything. The, the death of Jesus is proof that when we believe this announcement that everything has changed, everything changed. Look at this. Paul says, Paul, I mean, if you don't know anything about Paul too, pretty brutal human. Like <laughs> this guy murdered Christians, like had a pretty bad temper. Like this guy had some serious issues. And yet he had come to learn the power of the promise, the power of the covenant, the power of the grace of God, and how nothing can separate us from it. Look what it says. It says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who, what? Loved us. How do we know he loved us? The cross. The cross says God loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers or demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor coronavirus, nor economic failures, nor, nor past mistakes, nor, nor addictions, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. There's that word. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. It's good news because nothing can separate us. It's an everlasting covenant. It's an everlasting bond. It's really good news that Jesus died. Why? Because it tells us God knows. God loves us. God sees us in our suffering. He's in it with us. And he did something about it. He came and he dealt with the ultimate threat in our lives. What's the ultimate threat? Sin and death. He dealt with the greatest problem. Are there still problems we deal with? Yes, we're, we're dealing with them right now. But guess what? What Jesus accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection is greater than any of the problems that we face. These are drops in the bucket of his grace. His grace is greater than all of our sins, all of our sorrows, all of our struggles. And it's good news to know that this is a covenant that God kept his word all the way through the Old Testament, fulfilled it in the person of Jesus, cut a brand new covenant in his blood, and that he'll keep it all the way till the end of the story in Revelation 21 and 22, where it says, behold, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth come together, and that God is with us and we will be his people. And there will be no more mourning, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Death is done away with. He keeps his word. He can be trusted. Jesus died. It's really good news. There is a conspiracy. There's a divine conspiracy unfolding right now beneath the surface, absolutely usurping the powers and the chaos of this world. God is bringing chaos into order through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his church as we get on mission. There is good news that overwhelms the bad. There is news that is good enough. It's not just some good news. It's all good news, once and for all, for all time, that can never be outdone, never be overshadowed. It's lots of good news. It's eternal good news, not just some good news. And here's the deal. God has removed the great threats. Christians should not be predisposed to looking to the bad news because we have good news that has overruled and overridden all bad news. Here's three questions I have for you today. Question number one, do you, do I, ask this of yourself, do I live like there is an all-powerful God who loves me and gave himself up for me? What would change if I settled the fact in my spirit, in my mind, today, I believe in faith that God is good and he's for me. 
Here's the second question I want you to think about this week. Pray about it. Think about it. Do I live as though the old me died with Christ? Is, is your sin dead with Jesus? Is your history dead with Jesus? Are your past mistakes dead in the ground with Jesus? Have you been crucified with Christ? What does it look like to be crucified with Christ? How does that shape your past? How does that frame your present and your future? And here's the final question I want to ask some of you. Have you surrendered your life to the care of King Jesus? Have you taken him up on his offer of my life for yours? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you put your hope in Jesus? Have you found salvation in King Jesus? That is my question for you today. It is really good news that Jesus died. Why? Because we can live. It is really good news that Jesus bled. Why? Because we get to walk away free because his blood paid our debt. Have you put your faith in Jesus? I want to pray for us today. Pray that this hope takes deeper root. I want to invite some of you, maybe for the first time ever, to pray and give your life to Jesus for the first time ever. So let's pray. And if you want to pray this for the first time, you can pray along with me. So let me pray and then I'll, I'll lead us. So Father, thank you today for this good news. Thank you for the gospel of salvation. Lord, we just say we are not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And I pray today for everyone under the sound of my voice all around the world. Lord, I pray that then when they hear the good news of Jesus, that Jesus died so that they might live. Lord, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, would that rattle something deep in their core that says it's true. It's true, and this good news is better than all the bad news we face. Lord, I pray right now for a lifting of spirits and a lifting of heads. Lord, for all the believers right now. Lord, God, for those of us like myself who have been fighting the temptation to, like, to be overwhelmed by all the bad news, would you remind us right now in this moment that there is no amount of bad news that we could go through that could usurp or overwhelm the good news of the cross. And so, Lord, we thank you today for that revelation. Lord, would it rest with us this week? And Lord, I pray for the one here today who needs to give their life to Jesus. Lord, as they surrender themselves, even pray this right after me. I should invite you to pray this right after me. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. You came for my salvation. I repent of my sin. Give me that new life. I lay down my old life and I live for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe, I believe that God just did something brand new in your life. Listen, we, we believe that this is an announcement and we get to live in faith under this announcement. And as you do, you watch your life change. If you prayed that prayer, this is a journey. This isn't a one-time event. It's something we live under all our lives. If you prayed that prayer, would you let us know? You can go to our website. You can tell us. You can text it in uh, to the number. You can tell us on our, if you're on our TV platform, you can click. I just decided to follow Jesus. We want to know so that we can walk it out with you and pray for you. Thank you, church. Love you. Be blessed this week. Go in the unending grace of King Jesus who died and gave himself up for you. Thanks for joining us for our online service. Even when we can't be together, your giving matters. You can give online by going to crosspointchurch.ca slash give. On your mobile device, you can go to crosspointchurch.ca, tap the menu, and press give. Scroll down for instructions on Interact eTransfer and Automatic Funds Transfer. You can send your eTransfer to give at crosspointchurch.ca. You can open and print an Automatic Funds Transfer form for the most practical way to give on a regular basis. 
If you have any questions about online giving, you can contact us at office at crosspointchurch.ca.